Download the Brandon Baxter in the Morning podcast and keep up with all of your favorite country stars. The biggest stars in the world. New music. And music's next generation. Celebrity gossip. Local news and info that affects you and your family. And of course, lots of laughs. The K-Fi Morning Show has a podcast. I love them. Download Brandon Baxter in the Morning wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, and at kfine.com. Joined this morning by Dr. Shane Spites, the Dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State University. He's the man that studies COVID and the pandemic all around the world, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. It's basically been his job for the last year and a half. Uh, Shane, man, it's all changed over the course uh, since the last time we talked to you, which was last week. It's like we flipped the script again. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's been uh, been quite a bit of new data, new information. And, of course, the CDC came out yesterday afternoon about 3 o'clock with some new updated changes that really weren't a surprise uh, as we were watching this unfold. So, you know, last week we were talking about the fact that we probably should be more careful. Even people who are vaccinated should be more careful. So, you know, all of us get notifications on our phones. We get the notification that says the CDC is kind of going back and telling people, hey, even if you're vaccinated, you should probably wear a mask. That's not news anybody really wanted, but do you think that's the right decision at this point? Yeah, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but I, I do believe that. And that's kind of what we were hinting to and talking about last week. Um, and I'll just say, you know, for those, you know, in our small environment at the medical school, we had already enacted that. We've right. got probably between 98 to 99% of our staff, faculty, and students are all vaccinated. Mm-hmm. We still have a mask requirement. When you're in common areas, we still don't allow large groups to meet that are uh, just in, in person, you know, and really pretty much anybody's in a mask is in a group of five or more. Because we know we're seeing this trend in breakthrough infections, when you have so much virus circulating in your area, and really that was the caveat that the CDC put out, it wasn't that everybody should be wearing masks that's vaccinated all over the country. It's in areas of high spread. Right. Now, unfortunately, the state, the entire state of Arkansas is considered an area of high spread because, you know, we're kind of a hot spot in the country right now. But that's what it is, is they're saying when you have so much virus, there are far more breakthrough infections for vaccinated people. So for those that are vaccinated, they need to protect themselves. And again, wasn't really a surprise to see this. Uh, that kind of made me nervous when I would pull up their website and they used to have this banner that if you're fully vaccinated, you can go about and live your life like you did before the pandemic. Right. As we saw the Delta variant roll out, that just became more and more of something that wasn't going to be possible. So we went as soon as we could get vaccinated. Kelly and I both did. My wife went and got vaccinated as soon as we could. Um, you know, we thought that was the right thing to do at that point. So since we did that, and now all of a sudden this different variant's out there, and it's a mutation of the original COVID and all that stuff, what about the people who say, well, why would I go get vaccinated now because I still have to distance, I still have to wear the masks? There are going to be people on that side of the fence who are like, man, if, if, if I have to go ahead and do this stuff anyway, there's no sense in me getting vaccinated now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what people are missing is that these are different layers of protection. So these are different things that you can do to protect yourself. Vaccination is one thing. It's probably the key thing, the largest thing. Mm-hmm. Mask wearing, not being in large crowds or large groups. So there's different measures. And again, I've, I've likened it to you know, just like driving your car. You can wear your seatbelt. You can not wear your seatbelt. You can have a car with airbags. You can follow the speed limit and the, and the rules of the road. All of those things keep you safer. They also keep people around you safer. Mm-hmm. And so these are different layers of protection. Now, I will say this. On the masking piece, if you are unvaccinated, you are extremely high risk 
of getting infected with this Delta variant. It is much more contagious. It's much more likely that you will get infected. If you didn't this, didn't the first time around, you'll probably get infected this time. Um, and so vaccine has to be the key for those because that's we're still seeing that not only here in our region but across the country that 90 to 95 percent of the hospitalizations uh, and ICU admissions are unvaccinated people that are that are contracting the Delta variant. I want to run through some of the things we hear from people who aren't vaccinated because, you know, every once in a while we'll do a post on social media. We'll kind of gauge uh, our followers and our listeners and stuff like that. And there's always a segment of the audience. And, you know, and sometimes it's 50-50 where they believe that, um, you know, there's reasons they don't want to get vaccinated. So I want to hit you with some of their reasoning and you tell me, uh, you poke holes in it if you can, okay? Sure. <clears throat> okay, so what about people who might say, well, Dr. Spites, uh, I'm afraid the government has put a tracking device, a microchip in the vaccine, and they're trying to follow us. Okay. <laughs> so, the, well, and and that, that's probably, I mean, they, don't get me wrong, there's some crazy stories out there. That's one of the ones that, that, that uh, is probably one of the craziest. So a microchip inside the vaccine. So first of all, <laughs> um, they're already tracking you with your cell phone, but then I'm exactly that's already done deal. They're done. Right, yeah, right. They already, they already know where you are and what you're doing. Um, <laughs> in terms of the actual vaccine itself, um, we know what's in it because of the manufacturers. Now, um, and one of the many you say the government doesn't control the vaccine. The government doesn't make the vaccine. Let me be clear about this. So, and you know, the government approves in terms of the fact that you can utilize it. But the government does not manufacture the vaccine. So the different companies you've heard about, like Moderna and Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, those are the companies that actually manufacture it. And they've got different areas all over the country and you know, even all over the world where they manufacture the actual vaccine, where they you know, chemically create it, they put it in the syringes, they send it out to hospitals, pharmacies, and doctor's offices. And so this is not something that the government has. There's this secret lab somewhere where they're putting in these microchips. Uh, that, that's just not happening. They're not, they're not, it, that doesn't happen. That's not in there. Okay. Poke holes in this when there's people out there who say, oh my gosh, I don't want to be a guinea pig for this new vaccine that's unproven. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a good one, actually. So we talk about, and when they say the vaccine that's unproven, first of all, let's remember, we're talking about two different vaccine platforms. So you have Moderna and Pfizer, which are the mRNA mm-hmm. vaccine platform, which M, M stands for messenger, messenger RNA. Um, and then the other one is a viral vector. Johnson & Johnson is a viral vector. So there are two different types of, of vaccines. And typically when I hear that question, they're talking about the Pfizer and Moderna one because, you know, we said, oh, this is a new type of technology. Mm-hmm. But let's be clear. The technology itself has actually been studied since the late 90s. Actually, they started writing papers on it in the early 2000s. Okay. And the COVID vaccine was not the first vaccine that we were producing for an mRNA vaccine. We were actually already studying it in an influenza vaccine, Zika virus, cytomegalovirus, even an RSV uh, vaccine for kids, which if you've got kids, you know RSVs running rampant uh, right now in the state of Arkansas. Um, I was seeing it in my own clinic even just last week. So RSV is a tough virus on kids. It'd be great to have a great vaccine for that. So COVID wasn't, the, the COVID vaccine wasn't the first vaccine for this technology. It just so happened that these companies had gotten so good at the technology Whenever the pandemic hit, it was easy for them, once we were able to isolate the virus, to utilize this new platform. The actual technology itself, I think Moderna, that company's been around since 2010. Uh, the, the, the Pfizer parent company, the BioNTech, 
a company. They've been around since 2008. Mm -hmm. They were created solely to study and create mRNA vaccines. So you're talking about, you know, anywhere from uh, 10 to 12 years in, in the making in terms of this type of technology. So it's not something that just happened. Oh, we've got a pandemic and all of a sudden now there's this new technology that was just created. Right. It's just that people weren't paying attention to it. Right. And I get it. It's not something, I mean, unless you're trying having trouble sleeping at night, you're not going to sit around and read this stuff. But it, it, it's not something that would just came up just in the last 18 months. So let's talk through this. Obviously, if we hear of, you know, it's a flu vaccine, we, we probably think there's kind of here's the baseline and we have to alter it a little bit. Obviously, with COVID, there probably wasn't really a baseline. We're starting something brand new. So you, you talk about how you isolate the virus, you figure out what the virus is. How do they then in turn create a vaccine that's going to be delivered via mRNA? Uh, but how do they create the vaccine that they think is going to go in there and, and fight off that virus? I'm not really sure how that so works. What, so what they do, and I posted a little bit about this for more detail on, um, I did a Facebook post because it gets complicated. It gets complicated pretty quickly. You got to kind of draw back to your, you know, eighth, ninth grade biology class when you talked about DNA and tRNA and mRNA. First of all, it has nothing to do with your actual DNA. The DNA sits in the nucleus of a cell. And what we're talking about in the mRNA is out, out in the cytoplasm. And the mRNA is basically just a little bitty piece of genetic code that basically is, uh, codes for what's called a protein. Mm -hmm. What we did here, what they did here was they coded for basically the protein on how the virus gets into your cell. You know, the big thing is how does the virus infect you? Right. How does it get into Brandon's cells and his mouth and his nose and his lungs and then hijack his cells and start creating all this havoc? And so if we can stop that, it's kind of a lock and key system. If we can change the lock, mm. then the key that the virus uses to get into our cells doesn't work. Right. And so what happens is, is when we understand what that key is, then that's what the vaccine is. The vaccine basically is giving your body a heads up. Hey, here's the key that they're going to try to use to get into your cell. Gotcha. And so it's teaching your body to recognize that key. So if it ever sees it, it can fight it off quickly. Does that make sense? It yes. does. So, okay, let's ask another one. And, and again, we're, we're giving Shane Spites the chance to kind of poke holes into some of the reasons that people might not want to go and get vaccinated. Uh, what about people? Cause we had somebody who just told us this or told my wife this the other day. They believe at this point the government is getting rich, and that's the reason that they're telling all of us to go and get vaccinated. Well, again, these are private companies. And I, I would say this. You can go to the New York Stock Exchange and see these companies. Um, and so the, the money goes from the, the vaccines themselves do not cost anyone anything. So if you want a vaccine, uh, you can go and you can get it for free. And what happened was the government paid the pharmaceutical companies for the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, the federal government bought the vaccines on behalf of the U.S. public. Right. So basically, they, that, that, that's where the, so <laughs> if anything, the U.S. government is out the money because they paid for the vaccines um, and, and the money went to the, the manufacturing. And now I will say this, and you say, well, that means the, the, uh, these companies must be getting rich off of it. Right. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're making money off of it. But from what I understand, it was not, I mean, it was like 30 cents a shot or something. Like it was oh, something right. like, like they weren't making a killing off this thing. It wasn't like right. some of our vaccines, the more expensive vaccines that exist out there, like for shingles and things like that, that are, uh, that are much more expensive. Um, but the, the pharmaceutical companies are the ones who get the money. What about, because <clears throat> I've seen some of this stuff online over the last uh, couple of weeks and, and we haven't talked about it yet. 
you know, there's people out there that say, oh, my gosh, there is a cure for COVID. There is a thing that can prevent it. There is a thing that can stop it. But they don't want us to have it just yet. What do you think about that? So, and I'll be the first to tell you this, because I'm a, I'm of the opinion, I'm a deep prescriber, and that's going to sound strange. I'm a full believer that at the end of the day, if given the chance, your body has the ability to heal itself. Mm-hmm. It has the ability to fight off most infections. It has the ability to, to really, you know, fight off cancers and things like that if you're in the optimum health. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, not everybody's in the optimum health, and we do have to prescribe medications, and we do have to take people to surgery. But in terms of the balance, we believe, and that's kind of an osteopathic physician side, is that we believe the body has the innate ability to heal itself. So I'm not a huge prescriber in the first place. And I promise you, if there was a generic medication out there that the studies showed were safe, effective, and absolutely something that would work against COVID, not just myself, but there would have been a ton of people that would have jumped all over that. Right. The problem is, is that, and it's, it, it, we'd love to be able to find some medication that's already on the shelf, that, you know, that, that's already out there that's in this generic and a large supply that we could pull off and say, hey, here's the answer. Mm-hmm. And we've looked at a lot of that. The problem is, is the data and the evidence and the research so far, it just doesn't show it works. Right. I'll be honest with you, even one of the, there's a recent study that came out about the, one of the, the medications that was touted that was doing well against COVID. Now we're saying, look, it doesn't look like it actually works as well as we thought it did. Right. So from the medication side, we just don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of things in our tool belt for it. Dr. Shane Spites is on with this morning talking about COVID <clears throat> across Arkansas. Uh, let's go back and talk about uh, the spread of this variant, the Delta variant, which is the primary one that we're dealing with, especially in Arkansas and really around the Mid-South. Um, so asymptomatic spread, we've talked about that before. It didn't seem like it was, uh, as big of a deal in the previous strains of the virus, but all of a sudden with the Delta variant, there's the potential that we could feel okay or just have a runny nose, but be spreading this virus like crazy. How much of a concern is that at this point? So that, um, I'll be honest with you, it was still a concern with the original strain. We still had asymptomatic spread that was going around, um, there. And I, I think what it is, is with the original COVID, people, by and large, they were looking for the, I've lost my sense of smell or taste, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> or I've got this cough. But that's not, that may not be the case with the Delta variant. The Delta variant seems like less people lose smell or taste. It seems like they may have just a little bit of a runny nose. They may blame it on some seasonal allergies. We saw some of that with the original COVID strain too. So mm-hmm. I think if anything, it's reinforced that you can still have asymptomatic spread or mild symptoms, uh, minor symptoms, and still spread the virus. And so that was, you know, early on, we weren't sure on the Delta variant in people that have been, you know, vaccinated and maybe have a mild infection, which is going to be common because the vaccine is going to work. And so you may have a very mild infection. Can you still spread it? The answer is yes. Wow. So let's go through this and let's just play the hypothetical thing. Both Kelly and I are vaccinated. I think we've made that pretty clear. So if I'm vaccinated and Kelly's vaccinated, you know, but we go off and we do, you know, I have my family, she has her family and, you know, we have to go places because we live life. Uh, And even though we're trying to be careful, are we at a greater risk because we work in a small space, even though we're both vaccinated? You're at a risk. The more people you're around that are, that are likely infected, that are unvaccinated, um, and the amount of time that you spend in a small space together. So we know one of the things that, and this is the big thing about the Delta variant, is how contagious it is. Mm-hmm. So you may have gotten away before with, you know, being at the other side of the building with somebody that maybe is infected and you're not going to get it. 
that's not going to happen now. And that's one of the concerns that we're seeing as we move into the cooler weather. I know we don't feel that way now, but <laughs> as we move into the cooler months um, and people move back indoors um, and you have people going back to school and those kinds of things, the concern is how much is the virus going to spread? Because we know that inside this Delta variant is going to spread pretty rapidly from person to person. Um, now, the risk will depend upon each individual person. Obviously, you're both vaccinated. The risk is low if you're both vaccinated. It really is. Even if you have an asymptomatic infection and you're sitting there with Kelly and she's fully vaccinated, the chance that she's going to have some rip-roaring infection and be hospitalized is extremely low. Right. And so it may be that it's a small cold that you really wouldn't, you know, wouldn't think anything about. And, you know, the same thing may be true for her as well. So let's say, okay, my wife is vaccinated. I go home, you know, and again, we, we have, we go places, you know, we conduct business and we can't all mm-hmm. just stop. Most of us can't, even though we're being safe and I've put the mask back on and all of that different stuff. But I go home to an 11 year old who's not vaccinated. Um, and we do see that this variant does get to kids maybe more often than the other strains we've seen, the other variants we've seen. Uh, is Kai at more of a risk with this because he's not able to get vaccinated? Yeah, and that's kind of where that's where things get kind of tough because you've got a whole population of anybody under the age of 12 who right now is not able to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what has so they're probably at the highest risk in your household. Whoever is unvaccinated is at highest risk, including someone under the age of 12. And right. we have the same thing in my household. And so that's the concern uh, for us. And so we try to, you know, I'm kind of like you. Yeah, I want to go out and live my life. By the same token, I don't want to bring this thing home to my 10-year-old who's unvaccinated. Right. Now, still, by and large, let me be clear, by and large, kids still do okay. For the most part, kids are okay. Um, you're going to hear more about kids being hospitalized and kids being in the ICU just because of the pure volume of infections we're going to see. You know, last, uh, last go-round when we had this, you heard about some kids getting infected you know, and so it was, and it was very rare for a kid to really end up in the hospital. Right. There are going to be more kids hospitalized just by the pure numbers of it. But still, it still holds true that kids, by and large, do pretty well with this virus in terms of the severity of illness. So am I and again, we're going to we'll go into me because a lot of people are going to be able to relate to kind of the, the same situation. Vaccinated person, you know, around. I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty limited. It's not like even even outside a pandemic that I'm, I'm going out and going all over the place and being around a ton of people. But, you know, again, doing business, we have things we have to do. I go home. My wife's vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. Kai is not. But because I'm vaccinated, is he more protected than, than he would be if yeah. I were just running around town with without the vaccine? Uh, certainly, yeah, certainly someone, an unvaccinated person living in a household with vaccinated, fully vaccinated people, they're more protected than just a completely unvaccinated household. Absolutely. Because what happens is if you've got, if everybody in the family is unvaccinated, then the likelihood of you having a more severe infection is increased. Mm-hmm. And if you have a more severe infection, then all of a sudden now that could roll over into everybody else in your family. Right. You know, I think about oh, yeah, this uh, right. from Kai's perspective, you know, again, he's 11, but he can't avoid it. You know, mom and dad talk about it. It's on the news and, you know, it's on TV yeah. and all the different stuff. There's a certain amount of stress and it's a stress that I wish our kids didn't have to feel. I wish they didn't have this worry, but it is something that we're seeing. I mean, it stresses Kai out. He's 11. Mm-hmm. We want to take stress away. How can we tell our kids or how as parents can we deal with that situation? Because we can't tell them it's nothing to worry about because we do have to be careful, but we also don't want to have them scared. 
You know, I think the take-home message here, and I'm going to go back to what I said a minute ago, uh, for kids when you're having, because we have the same thing at our house, everybody in my household is vaccinated except our 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of feels like the odd guy out, and you right. know, and he's kind of nervous about it. And like you said, he hears us talk about it. And, of course, we're watching, you know, all the national numbers and the local numbers and globally and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the take-home message is still, this is still right now a very mild infection for the most part for kids. So kids, for the most part, it'll probably just be like a cold, um, you know, by and large. Now, is that 100%? No, it's not. Do I know kids in children's hospital that had no medical issues at all and they're in the hospital with COVID? Yes. But it's still not, it's still, by and large, for kids, not a very um, uh, significant infection. Now, the group that I'm probably most concerned with are your older the highest group right now, probably the risk of hospitalization and death, are still your individual 65 and older. Right. What you're going to start seeing, I'm afraid of, too, is as we see a lot of spread, even those vaccinated individuals in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, the, um, they're still going to be at high risk of reinfection yeah. with the Delta variant. And that's what's concerning as well. Real quick on breakthrough infections, because I think none of us want to hear that uh, something's going to break through the vaccine. You know, we go out and we try to do what we think is the right thing, breakthrough infections. Um, what does it look like with that? Is that extremely rare? Is that, you know, one out of 10? Is it three out of 10 people suffer from a breakthrough infection or do we have data? So the data is changing. And we're, we're, I mean, we collect the data and it just, I mean, it kind of comes through almost daily. Right now, it's about a one in 10. And what I mean by that in terms of the breakthrough infection, you're fully vaccinated you know, chances of, of getting sick is about one in 10. Now, chances that you'll be hospitalized is extremely low. Gotcha. And so you you still, so we talk about almost like levels of protection. Okay, the, you know, the chance that I'll actually get sick at all. Okay, the chance that I'll get hospitalized. Okay, the chance that I'll get in the ICU or the chance that I'll die. Right. When you talk about those other ends, it's extremely, extremely low for uh, the hospitalization, ICU admission, or death. Are the big... Oh, rate of the rate of infection still still probably ten percent. So as we look at this in the variant, obviously the Delta variants changed a lot of the way we're having to look at the data again. Um, do you think, or do you know, are the pharmaceutical companies developing some type of a booster that's going to be better uh, optimized to fight this variant? Is that something in the works? Is or is this something that we just have to deal with for the next few months? So all three companies are working on boosters. And they're kind of going back and forth with the CDC and the FDA on the need for them. And then Pfizer's been kind of the one leading the charge saying, look, we think in the in this Delta variant surge, you need a booster. FDA and CDC are kind of going back and forth on it. They met last week. We haven't heard anything about that. I know that Pfizer presented data showing that it would uh, boost immunity if there was a booster out there. Uh, over in Israel, they're already doing boosters for the Pfizer vaccine for those 65 and older. So for their older population, kind of the group that I told you we're probably more concerned with, they're already offering boosters for them. Wouldn't surprise me if we see that. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, you could kind of expect that coming as well. In terms of any medications, I don't see any new medications coming out. I think that really uh, the biggest thing is that for people to get fully vaccinated, that's the best thing you can do right now and just kind of take the precautions. One of the other questions I was going to follow up with this, that I get a lot right now, we're still, again, still early data, is, hey, I had COVID last fall. Mm-hmm. You know, do I really need to get vaccinated? What's my chance of getting infected with this Delta variant? 
the risk is, is significantly increased that you'll get the Delta variant over like maybe the UK variant or something like that. We've got some early data out of um, out of the UK who's been having who's been dealing with a big Delta surge. It's not a big number. They do have reinfections, the people that had the original COVID, but in terms of everybody that they're tracking, and it wasn't a huge group, it was maybe 70,000, 80,000 people, only about 2% of those people had had the original COVID. So only about 2% were reinfections. So if you've had COVID, you do have some protection. The highest level of protection seems to be if you had COVID and you got vaccinated. That provides you the most level of protection. When you were talking about the Delta variant two months ago, you were watching data from somewhere else. And it might have been India or the UK. I can't remember exactly which one. Um, but, you know, we were kind of we, we were afraid we were going to follow the path. And we did. Are we seeing this clear up in other places or is this still wide open, continual spread? Because what I'd like to be able to do is say, hey, if we tough it out and we all work through this, it's going to be done by October. Uh, obviously, it'd be all nice right. to have data. What are you seeing on that? So here's what, and this actually, this just came out yesterday and the day before, and we were kind of tracking this as well. And, and I want to be clear, this is speculative. This is just speculation. But when we look at other countries and we look at their Delta spike that they've had with the Delta variant, the spike that they had, and they're on the backside of it now, it seems to, it seems to hit a peak at about six weeks in. Okay. For us in Arkansas, that would be about mid-August. Okay. So about mid-August would be when we would hit our peak for the Delta variant, and then we'd have about another six-week you know, downslide on the backside of that where we continue to see cases. The caveat is, is that what happens when schools open? Mm-hmm. Is that going to, are we going to see this peak, and maybe it comes back down, and then stays higher than we expected? I will say in India, their baseline infections, before they went through the, their Delta surge, they had, they, went, they had baseline infections like we did. They went through their Delta surge, and then now they're on the backside of it. Their baseline numbers are about four times higher than what they originally were before they went through Delta. If that's true, then, you know, we were hitting maybe 100, 150 cases a day. We could be at a baseline of maybe three, four, 500 cases a day on the backside of the Delta variant. And that would just be picking up people that, again, are unvaccinated um, and, and you still see continued spread. Right now we're in, you know, massive spread because it's being circulated so much. But if it plays out, it looks like here in the U.S. we'll be on the back end of it at the end of August. Okay. Arkansas was ahead because we had we had more infections early. That would be about mid-August for us. So August is going to be a big month to watch. Dr. Shane Spites, the dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State. Shane, I know I've told you this uh, through text messages, but I want to say it just publicly, too. Our conversation last week, and I think this one today, will answer a lot of questions. There were a lot of people um, who found the podcast last week or or who heard the interview live and decided because of our conversation they wanted to go get vaccinated. Um, you know, and this is this affects you know people that we don't know that Kelly and I have never met, and also people in our family who mm-hmm. thought before, ah, it's not that big a deal. You know, it's going to be over, blah blah blah. But all of a sudden, when they hear this information, they go and say, hey, I think it may be time. I think what you're doing is an important service, and we appreciate – I mean, I know this is a big chunk of your morning, but we appreciate you taking so much time to help people. No, I appreciate you guys, and, and thank you for helping kind of get the word out and trying to – it's confusing. I mean, you get out on social media, you can get lost in all kinds of opinions, things of that nature. So I appreciate you guys kind of at least giving me the opportunity to answer questions and, and get good information out. There he is, Dr. Shane Spites. Have a great day, man.
Thanks, sir. You too. All right. The K-Fine Breakfast Club is powered by Families and Counseling Services. This is Arkansas's Morning Show. Brandon Baxter in the morning.